Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, Hazelden Betty Ford Foundation has a new series of seminars focused on the intersection of addiction and criminal justice. An update from the CEO of Mintech and Viking great Scott Studwell is out with a new book detailing his amazing career with the Purple. But first, this week, Pfizer announced that it now has a safe and effective COVID vaccine for children. A trial involving kids ages 5 to 11 showed the vaccine led to antibody responses that were comparable to those in people ages 16 to 25 who got the shots. I spoke with the Minnesota Medical Association's Dr. Marilyn Pazzo about what this could mean for Minnesota kids. Well, you know, we have all been waiting for this, and this is really good news for families with school-aged children. Uh, Getting this age group the ability to get vaccinated is really going to help ensure that kids can safely, you know, stay in school for in-person learning this school year. This uh, this is really good news for families. The speed with which this is, is able to go into effect, how important is that considering that we've got kids in school already? Well, the speed is, is, is urgent. Um, you know, certainly in Minnesota, we have got really in-person learning uh, is the model that almost all, you know, school, schools are operating under. In-person learning is definitely the best way for kids to to learn um, and to you know be together with their peers. So being together safely is really really important for families. It's important for kids, um, and the ability to get vaccinated and stay free of illness just it is so important to allow a safe and successful school year. Obviously, we've got folks out there who are are not necessarily advocates for vaccines, and in particular, parents who may not uh, be on board with getting their young kids vaccinated. Uh, Even though we've got most medical professionals saying that that's the best way to to protect yourself. So what would you say to parents out there who might be skeptical uh, about this development on vaccines? Well, you know, it's a wonderful thing. We know that kids are less likely to get severely ill with COVID, so that that's really good. However, uh, with the Delta variant, you know, we're now seeing that children, uh, one in five new COVID infections are children. And as a pediatrician, I have seen firsthand that pediatric hospitalizations and kids being in the ICU, we have never in the pandemic seen as many kids in the hospital or requiring ICU care as we are right now. So even though, you know, statistically, it's more likely that a child isn't going to get as sick as an older person, it does happen. And we want to protect everybody. You know, parents don't want to take risks with their child's health and, and getting the vaccine is far safer than taking your chances with covid um, I also want to point out that kids can get severe complications. There's a condition called MISC, which is a severe inflammatory reaction that can come on a couple of weeks after even a mild case of COVID. Uh, kids can suffer long COVID 
symptoms where they experience, you know, relatively long-term complications. And also it's important to remember that kids can, even if they have mild or no symptoms, they can spread the virus to other family members. So in order to protect other vulnerable family members, it's a really good idea to have kids vaccinated. So there's many reasons uh, to get your child vaccinated. Uh, good information as always, Doctor. Anything else of significance that you can think of that you care to add this afternoon? Well, I think that um, parents have been waiting for this moment, um, but it is important not to jump the gun. It is very important to wait until the FDA has done its due diligence and has really come out and agreed that, you know, the the dosing and the intervals that Pfizer uh, is recommending to make sure that other experts agree with this. Uh, so even though, you know, parents may be very, very eager to get the vaccine into their child's arm, it's important to wait until it has been fully approved. Um, and again, you know, get your child vaccinated and, and get yourself vaccinated. Thank you to my guest, the Minnesota Medical Association's Dr. Marilyn Pateso. We'll have more Minnesota Matters after this. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. Throughout the state, Minnesota electric co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of Minnesota. Considering an online pharmacy? Explore BeSafeRx to find useful information and resources to help you purchase medicines safely online. A safe online pharmacy requires a doctor's prescription, has an address in the United States, has a licensed pharmacist, and is licensed by a state pharmacy board. It's best to stay away from online pharmacies that don't meet these criteria. Discover more helpful tips and resources at BeSafeRx. Go to FDA.gov slash BeSafeRx. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. A month-long series of virtual seminars hosted by the Hazelden Betty Ford Foundation is focused on the intersection of addiction and the criminal justice system. J.W. Cox tells us how the foundation is trying to empower legal professionals to help those struggling with addiction. That is what this series is all about, Scott. Real-world solutions for people that may come into contact with someone at their lowest point. Tori Utley with Hazelden Betty Ford says substance abuse disorder is all too common, but that low point does not have to be the end of that person's story. The series was developed to provide critical education on substance use disorder specifically for the legal audience. Um, one thing that we, we recognize is that, you know, a person's journey through substance use disorder often intersects with the justice system and providing education to lawyers and judges who encounter these same individuals in their scope of practice, we hope will change the trajectory of people's lives through, 
educating legal professionals on what substance use disorder is, um, trying to combat stigma, and connecting them with resources to help clients access treatment, recovery, and other, other resources for hope. Udley says the series is modeled after one that began across the country last year. Hazel and Betty Ford has partners and donors all across the country that are seeing the need for this kind of education in different communities. So when we held this series in Oregon, uh, there were things happening in Oregon that, that really made the need for this education very timely um, with decriminalization and Measure 110. In Minnesota, uh, we obviously, as the you know, foundation has longstanding expertise and, um, and time in the treatment in the treatment field here, wanted to provide that same education for the exact reason that I mentioned that we know that um, the justice system is a is a um, a field that needs this this education and routinely intersects with with folks who are on you know the journey of recovery. With awareness as the largest part of their message, Utley says they also want to provide real-world ways these professionals can help. We hope that that attorneys and judges are not only more aware of, you know, what addiction is and how the neurobiology of addiction and trauma and childhood experiences play into that experience. Um, We want to educate on what the process of change looks like for these folks. But then, you know, in session three, we start looking at the continuum of care in Minnesota. So a specific example that we want that we want legal professionals to know about, for example, is, you know, grassroots recovery community organizations, so peer-based support. Um, We want to start hearing examples of what uh, we already have judges and attorneys doing in treatment courts around the country, or I'm sorry, around um, the state. So connecting and amplifying what those resources are and the evidence behind them and why they do work and change people's lives will be a focus of the series. Um, in addition to the fourth session, we will be uh, we will have a panel discussion with with attorneys and judges and others who have experience uh, lived experience in recovery themselves and can you know share what worked for them in a way that that provides more connection to that legal perspective. The program, in Utley's words, could not operate successfully without the support of the professional community throughout the justice system in Minnesota. We've heard great response from the legal audience, specifically around the need for this kind of education. Um, through the through the planning and marketing of this series, we had champions within the Minnesota legal system um, that, or I'm sorry, legal um, professionals audience that were really pivotal in helping us get connected to the right communities of professionals, so that you know those that really understand the importance can advocate to their peers and their colleagues. To come to this series. We also um, were approved for full accreditation for the series, so our, um, our audience will be able to access free continuing legal education credits thanks to donors and sponsors that put on the series. So that always helps, too, providing, um, providing that incentive for, for getting folks there and, and hearing this critical education. Utley says the entire program is based on solutions, not dwelling on the problems, and through that approach can come a key element, hope. What makes me the most excited about this series is this is a perfect opportunity to not just to not just look at the problem but look at the solution, and part of what makes that possible is the sharing of lived experience and real stories 
and real work that's happening here in Minnesota and the hope of recovery and the transformation that happens in people's lives in recovery is real. And that's what we're amplifying through this series so that when we have attorneys and judges go back to their work and taking this into practice, that, they, that they've heard examples, they've seen the hope of recovery through this series and can then advocate for that through their work with real people who are struggling or, um, or recovering today. So that's what, that's what makes us the most excited about this series is to provide not just the education but the hope on the, the issue of substance use disorder but also the hope of recovery. The final Friday virtual session in the series planned for October 1st. Scott, back to you. Thank you, JW. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Minnesota Technology Association has announced the finalists for the 22nd Annual Techni Awards. Tasha Radelp has more. Joining me today is Jeff Tollefson, President and CEO of the Minnesota Technical Association. Before we dive in, Jeff, can you tell me a little bit about the Minnesota Technology Association? Yeah, so the Minnesota Technology Association, uh, which we now call MinTech, formerly the MHTA, uh, we're a coalition of you know approximately 200 plus member companies, really united in trying to build a stronger, more vibrant, and, and importantly, more inclusive tech ecosystem in Minnesota. And the way we do that is, is you know programming that uh, helps enable connections, uh, learning. Uh, and just uh, you know, generally supporting the tech community. So our, our three primary pillars of what we do are around policy and advocacy is one, uh, where we try to be the voice of the tech community at the state capitol and uh, really advocating for smart public policies that can help our innovation economy. A second pillar is around building tech talent, both making sure that our member companies have the the talent they need today, but very importantly, the, the tech talent they need in the future, and making sure that pipeline of digitally fluent students is uh, uh, something they can take advantage of. And then the third is around building community, creating peer forums where uh, technologists can share best practices, uh, things like that. So we, we do quite a bit, and uh, uh, unfortunately, have to do it all virtually these days. And let's hone in a little on the companies you represent across Minnesota. So most of our our, uh, our members are larger companies, the Best Buys, the Targets, Medtronic, 3M, Cargill, Optum, uh, but also a lot of tech startups, uh, software companies, those that are doing cloud computing or consulting firms that uh, you know, really help support uh, you know, other tech-enabled companies. So it's a wide variety. Jeff, you mentioned the leading-edge Minnesota companies you represent. I think sometimes uh, people think of Silicon Valley or other larger regions of the U.S., but looking at your list, Minnesota really covers a lot of different tech sectors right here at home in the Gopher State. Uh, you're exactly right. And, you know, and that's one of, I think, one of the 
things that defines our economy in Minnesota that it is so diverse. Um, we have a lot of ag tech companies. When you look at what Lando Lakes or CHS or Cargill are doing to leverage technology for farmers and for agricultural reasons, um, you know, that's a strength. Our financial services sector with financial technology, um, another area where you've got companies like Sezzle or um, Branch, other ones that are utilizing technology to uh, total expert is another one that comes to mind. Um, you know, medical technology has been, you know, we're a global leader with Medtronic and Boston Scientific. The list goes on around what, uh, you know, medical technologies have done, you know, that have, uh, you know, really started here in the, in the Minnesota community. Um, and advanced manufacturing is another area. Starting years ago with 3M and Seagate and others that are, you know, really looking at how to use artificial intelligence and machine learning to really advance manufacturing processes. Do you folks do any advocacy work with schools and or colleges and universities across the state to recruit people into the industry and tech world? Yeah, not directly, but we support and partner with organizations like Greater MSP, for example, that uh, through uh, a lot of their initiatives, trying to get people to relocate back to Minnesota or relocate here or locate here for the first time uh, and to join our tech companies. So that is something that, you know, increasingly will be a priority. You know, there is such a, a need for tech talent uh, in our business community today, whether it's security, uh, software developers, project managers, data analysts, uh, and we're not developing enough homegrown talent to meet our needs. So there is that need to recruit from outside, um, but also thinking about how do we tap into historically overlooked and underrepresented talent pools in our state to fill those roles. Uh, and so thinking around non-traditional talent in, in different ways. So uh, that is another area that we're focusing on through some of our initiatives. And I know something you folks are excited for. Let's turn our attention to the 40 Minnesota technology companies, including Target and the U of M, that are finalists for your annual Techni Awards. Yeah, so the annual Techni Awards, which is now in our 24th year, is a way to celebrate the innovative companies and innovations that are really helping fuel uh, Minnesota's technology economy. And you know, this year we are going to be awarding uh, Techni Awards in 13 primary categories, and they range from data analytics and digital marketing and edge computing and Internet of Things to things like Tech for Good or those that are building technology collaborations and partnerships. Uh, so we're really excited this year to once again shine a light on those that are really driving our economy forward. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to do it in a virtual format again this year, but uh, we had hoped to do it do it in person. But one of the things that ha does allow is uh, for people across the state of Minnesota to tune in and uh, really see what innovation looks like. And we're really looking forward to celebrating innovation on November 17th. Thanks again to my guest, Jeff Tollefson, President and CEO of Mintech. Back to you, Scott. 
Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouth full, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Former Vikings linebacker Scott Studwell has written a new book that fans of the Purple will certainly enjoy reading. In part one of a two-part interview on Minnesota Matters, MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm spoke with Studwell about penning the memoir with writer Jim Bruton. Well, uh, quite honestly, um, it, obviously it was it was Jim's idea. Uh, he, he approached me about it. Um, I really didn't have... <clears throat> any inkling that he was going to do this and that this was something that that I wanted to do I mean it wasn't uh you know it wasn't a dream of mine to write a book uh but my you know out of my respect and 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 for Jim and I like him as a person and and I know he's written a number of books and you know he's a straight shooter and and he he tells it like it is and so you know, I decided to go ahead and do it. It was fun. It was uh, kind of a long, tedious uh, process because we were basically doing it during the pandemic. So, but it was, you know, it was fun, and it was, uh, you know, there were a lot of people that that we talked about that you know I hadn't talked about in years, and and there were a lot of fond memories that that resurfaced. And there was also a lot of heartbreak that resurfaced, but you know, all in all, it was it was a fun project, and and uh, you know, I'm glad I did it. Uh, I know Jim pretty well as as well, so uh, just a great writer and a great guy, and so um, it's it's good to be uh, in partnership with him if you're going to do a book. And I know a lot of Vikings fans are looking forward to, uh, to 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 reading this book, and I love the title because it's so fitting. You think about it, Viking for life. You know, you come here. For from the University of Illinois, you become a player, and you really never leave, right? I mean, literally, you have been a Viking for life at this point. You know, I guess when you're when you're fortunate enough to spend 42 years <clears throat> with an organization that that you love and that you're passionate about, that you care for, and you know, and that includes all the people, uh, obviously that. you know, that make it so cherishable and and the fact that uh, so many people that that you've um, come across and run across and become very good friends with and, and, you know, it's, um, who would have thought in 1977 that, that, uh, you know, I would have had that kind of opportunity, but 
um, you know, I did for whatever reason, and, and uh, you know, I loved every minute of it. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this when I saw the title Viking for Life and just mentioned how fitting it was. I also get a kick out of, you know, you, you, you of course, as a player, your identity was really that of a tough, hard-nosed linebacker. And with a last name like Studwell, I'm not sure a name has been more fitting for a player either. Has anyone over your years commented on that, that, uh, you know, if you're going to be a tough, gritty, hard-nosed linebacker, that having a last name like Studwell kind of fits? Well, you know, it's it's come up a few times, and, and I, I obviously had nothing to do with it. Uh, that, that was all my parents' doings, and, and uh, I, I came by it naturally um, and was born into it. So, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, it's been brought up a few times, and it's, you know, my nickname was Stud with a lot of, a lot of the players and friends that, that I had and have, and... and um, you know, maybe I'm just, once again, it's, it's, I feel very lucky, uh, and very fortunate, to, to, you know, not only have played as long as I did, but to have worked in the, in the NFL for as long as I did. And, um, you know, everything kind of just, uh, somebody was watching after me because it's, um, you know, I, I know there was a lot of hard work involved, but there's also a, a tremendous amount of uh, luck and and help and um, a promise that that uh, you know I received that maybe I shouldn't have and and uh, you know so I'm just very grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, and from that standpoint, you mentioned, of course, your last name you kind of inherit, right? But the toughness and the hard nose uh, style of play, where, where do you think that came from? How did that get uh, originated with you, and how did it form and shape you as a player? Uh, you, you know, I guess, it. Uh, you know, I didn't play organized football until I was in eighth grade, and, and you know, it was a pilot program for the Harrison High School, that uh, the school that I went to in Evansville, Indiana. And, and, you know, I was kind of a runt growing up and really blossomed and bloomed in, in high school. And, you know, I mean, it was a game that, that I, you know, a lot of kids play and don't really expect a whole lot or don't, you know, don't really um, – understand what they're getting themselves into and it, it just seemed like a really good fit for me um you know when i when i started playing you know i started to grow and i started to mature and you know basically grew a foot and gained over 100 pounds in high school and and the success i think probably helped push some of the passion um but you know, it was it was fun, and the the coaches that I had in high school made it fun, and and there was a lot of hard work involved, and and you know, there you had to pay the price, and the sacrifices were there, and and but it was it was always a labor of love for me, and on every level, uh, you know, in high school and at Illinois, and obviously with Minnesota, so you know, I think it was just a, a great fit. Uh, for me, and it, fortunately, it worked out. That's former Vikings linebacker Scott Studwell with MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm. Part two of the interview will come in next week's edition of Minnesota Matters. That is going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.